Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Welcome to DBR Racing Products, the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, they have been revolutionizing the industry, starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes. But they didn't stop there. They have continued to push the boundaries, constantly improving their design with each new version. In 2018, they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage, specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all. They've developed ProPeg mounts that allow you to use TRX450R Nerf bars, giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, visit their website at www.dbratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DBR Racing Products, where innovation meets performance, unleash the power within you. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, SCORE, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go-to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation 
and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. Dave Scott, welcome back to ATV Talk, man. Uh, hi, Lenny. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure, brother. My pleasure. Hey, you know, last time we talked, I don't think we made it clear that you got to ride on two very prolific desert teams that were highly, highly successful. Well, really three, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, go ahead. we had, uh, no, I had uh, my personal stuff with my guys here. And then uh, uh, Craig's team teams, I guess I should say. And, uh, Well, you, got to ride, you got to ride with Jeremy yep. Sanchez, and you got to ride with Craig Christie's team. Uh, you got to ride with Danny Prather and uh, Cody. Yep. I mean, you, you, and, and every team you rode on was, was successful and won championships. Yeah. I, uh, I know a couple of those races and a few of the years in Baja, Craig had two, two quads racing in Baja. And I actually raced each time on both bikes. I would get off one and wait for the other one, stuff like that. And I, like you said, I had uh, uh, Jeremy Sanchez, then uh, Danny Prather and Cody Mitchell. And I had a few partners here and there along the way because sometimes I had to, to uh, you know, kind of find somebody that, because not everyone can, can make it every time. So... I um, just kind of find who I could find and make it happen. I just wanted to race. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I remember watching you win your first best in the desert championship. I was there and the, we were just outside where we stayed at the hotel uh, because the course came right next to there um, as you were coming through, right? Right. When you won. Yeah. That was uh 2008. Was it 2008? That's a long time ago. We're old. <laughs> no, you may be. You're old. I'm not old. I'm never. I'm never getting. Old. I have had this white hair as long as you've known me. That's the California look. It's all right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, the other day you sent me a photo. Uh, you were out riding dirt bikes, just out having fun, or were you out with your buddies, or what were you doing? Yeah, so my son, um, my son is now in uh, fourteen. Um, he's always kind of have a quad, and he hasn't real, really been too into it. The quad, I just kind of thought it wasn't his thing. And uh, he wanted a dirt bike. I got him a, a little CRF one fifty R. He really didn't love that too much either. So I, um, I traded a buddy some stuff and got a. a uh, a basket case 
125. He wrote that a little bit. And then he, he, uh, my nephew, which would be his cousin, obviously has a, a 2003 CR250. And he, he wrote that and it just kind of came out of nowhere. I, I didn't really think he could handle even the 125 and he just got on the 125 and then the 250 and just, I mean, just tore it up. So I, we found him, a, he likes two strokes and it's good because he, he's a small skinny kid, but he's tall. And so we got him a 2003 CR. 250 two stroke obviously and uh so he's been tearing it up and all the all the racing here in new mexico there's not any really quad races to to enter and i wanted to to you know be kind of be able to ride with him maybe do a race with him follow him whatever i mean he's a good rider but you know he's a 14 year old kid that dad's a little nervous so yeah. what i did was um, helicopter parent. i went yeah so i he we we're riding a lot i'm riding the quad he's riding the bike we're doing we're doing just having fun and i actually uh i don't know if you know this either i, I bought a honda talon a couple of years ago just trying to i don't know scratch the itch right so um it's okay. Just, just whatever. And so I get in for some warranty work, get out and they hit, they had a, uh, a new Honda sitting there, dirt bike. And just like, man, I, I love that thing. I want that thing. So I ended up buying it. I never had really, I mean, I've had some dirt bikes over the years, but nothing I've really tried to ride to actually, you know, besides down the, down the road or riding a wheelie or something, I just actually try to ride it and in the desert and go fast since my son's riding good. So I've been, I just got it uh, about a month and a half ago and I'm, I'm just learning how to ride it, but I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a new challenge. Uh, lots of fun. It seems like it's going to be so much easier on my old body. It just seems like it's just kind of easy to ride. You know, it's different for sure, but uh, I enjoy it. So now we, me and my son go ride dirt bikes. Um, and eventually I'm sure it'd just be his his dirt bike, but I get to ride it. So that's really, since the last time we talked, that's a, that's a new development with you. I mean, yes. I think the last time we talked, you were hoping that he would develop the want to go ride with dad, you know, so that you and him could go share outings together. Yes. I mean, and I, and I'm not trying to push him to race at all. I, it's, I'm not that guy. If he, if he wants to, I'll support him. If he don't want to, I'll, I'll still support him. Um, he just wasn't, he never seemed like he was really into the, to the quads, you know, like I was, um, or still am, I guess. Um, so he, he just decided he wanted a dirt bike and I'm all for it, you know? And, and actually, I mean, I've, it's, it's a, I don't know the right words. It's a relieving or a nice or however you want to say it. I went, well, about a, a new, I went about a brand new dirt bike and 
I've done nothing to it. Not one single thing. I mean, it, it's plenty good for me and a lot of people the way it is. And you, you know how that goes. A, a quad, you're, you're buying and you're changing this and you're buying suspension. So I, I, I appreciate that. I like the fuel injection. I like, I like the electric start. I mean, um, I'm still learning to ride it. It's great. Uh, he rides his bike and this new 450. He rides it better than me. He's 14 years old. He's really, uh, I'm actually proud of him. He's really smart. He doesn't push over his limits like a lot of us did back when we were younger. He just rides a real smooth, real calculated pace and he's having fun. We actually went and did a, a pre a pre run these local races. They call them a pre run. You ride them the day before, um, 30 mile loop. Probably he went and did it. I tried to do it was like the day after I got my bike and I couldn't even, it was, it was the worst day of my life, but the, uh, yeah. So he actually, um, he did it, did good. The, I've heard a lot of dirt bike guys. It wasn't a really, a conventional desert race that me and you would call desert race. So race day, he didn't, he wasn't into it, but there's some races coming up next year that I'm going to see if he'll want to go and and just hit it. And I'm not, I wouldn't really call it racing for me. I'm riding, but I'm enjoying it. It's a kind of a new thing, new challenge. Um, I've, I was really, um, thinking I made a horrible mistake when I first got it. I, I just, it was a battle, but I've only ridden it probably 12 times. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think I, I, I'm benefiting from, I, I can read the terrain, right? Because I've raced so many races. So the, tr the trains re that part's easy. I obviously know how to ride the bike and get the power and roll on, you know, all that stuff. So it's really just learning how to ride the two wheels. I'm not trying to use everything or learn everything I should say. And so it's, it's actually, um, it's actually nice. I, I actually, I think I said this earlier, but I, I think it's easier on my body. I feel I can ride it pretty hard and I don't feel like it beats me up as much. Too funny, brother. So are all the skin, <laughs> are all the sores healing? From falling down? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm knocking on some wood right now, but I haven't fell down yet. I've been real close. But if if you know me, I I uh I work for everything I got, so I, I don't want to scratch that thing. So I'm trying my hardest not to not to drop it, but it's coming, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know. And you were never really um a guy that we ever had to worry about, you know, not bringing the machine in, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't throw it away. I don't think you had as long as I can know you have known you. I can't remember ever hearing of a spectacular get off that you ever had. No, I, I, I had a few when I first started, of course I was younger and, and I, I think the, 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 the thing that got me is it was, I was, I didn't grow up around racing and I, I just kind of fell into it. And I, I think we talked about it the first time we talked and, and I just kind of have a knack for it or something, but um, I was, 
I always felt pressure from friends and local people and even you and, and whoever I always had, well, not really you, you never did it, but I just felt I brought that pressure on myself that I felt like, like I either had to win or, or crash, I guess. So when I first started, I just felt, I put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, I went, I went, I started off really good and I went, I went to, uh, like I'm talking local New Mexico stuff. I dominated for a few years and, and, you know, everybody has a bad race. There's, there's good racers everywhere. And I'd, I'd come back from a race and I'd had just have, you know, 20 people. How'd you do? Well, I got second, second. Oh, I thought you were the, the man, you know? So I, I, I don't know if that played into it, but I kind of had a, just a pressure that I just, I just was dumb and I wanted to win. You know, it's almost made it easier to explain if I crashed instead of got second. I don't know <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, uh, oh, I was doing so good, but I, but I was doing so good, but I crashed instead of I was doing good, but uh, Joe Blow kicked my ass. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I kind of went through that a little bit. Um, I had. Uh, some issues with the with the buddy that we were friends and then we kind of got became rivals and I felt some pressure there too. But after that few years passed and a couple of years in Best of the Desert, I, I pretty much said, you know, I'm I'm I can only ride as fast as I can ride. You can be the fastest guy for 240 miles, but if it's a 250 mile race, you gotta go 250 mile race, 250 miles, you know. So I kind of made that, I kind of felt like I figured that out right away. Like you can, I mean, I try hard. I, well, I would try hard and I would give it my all, but I wouldn't go to that crazy level where it was just stupidity too many times. I mean, it, I think, I mean, you raced for years, you have to push it kind of past that limit a little bit, but you, you pick and choose and, and also feel like I use, I did it enough that, if I was going past that limit, I knew how to handle it or I, I don't want to say control. That's not the right word, but so anyways, I know that's a long answer to your question, but I, I think that desert racing is the biggest lie in control. There is because <laughs> you are going an extreme speed I mean, best in the desert, for an example, you know, you've done it. There's a lot of the places where you are as fast as that machine will go for an extended yes. period of time. And if you're even fathomly think you're in control, you're not. Because there's yeah. so many little gotchas. And I would take, I would say that the quality of machine that you rode, the quality of machine that I rode, and that all the other guys rode was just such you know, they were such great pre preparation done and the machines were good. You know, it didn't matter what team you were running, you know, in the top four or five machines, they were just great. Yes. And at some point there were like 10 or 12 teams out there that were just, you never knew who was going to win, you know? Yeah. And it was just bad day luck. Uh, you catch somebody and you're, in their dust, somebody else catches them and then there's a side wind and they're not in the dust. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, 
I mean, everybody was so close and it, the competition was so good. Um, shocks. I mean, from when I started, and I mean, I know you can agree with me on this. From when I started in 97, racing my little races around here to today or five years ago, the shocks, they, they, for me, and I'm sure it's like that for it, anybody in the industry or anybody that's racing the shocks will inspire confidence right if you know that you're like you said you're going full out as fast as you can go and you run up on something and you're confident your shocks will take it then there's no problem you're good your shocks will take it if 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 you're not if you have that little bit of doubt and even if your shocks will take it but you have that doubt, you might flip the throttle, you might let off, you might panic a little bit, and then you're probably gonna eat go down shit. Yes. Yeah. So so the so I mean Elka, I don't have to tell you this, but for anybody else listening, Elka did they said so much research with with me, you, us, everybody that's out there to figure all that out. You can pretty much hit anything you want desert any ditch any anything and if you if you don't panic let's always tell my kid right in there but don't panic no matter what you have to keep your head you can't just panic and send the brakes if you don't panic nine times out of ten you're good you're, you're you won't go down you know, I, I like that age old deal where you know you pin it to win it or a lot of times if you maintain speed momentum you, yes because it would mm-hmm. it wouldn't always straighten itself up but it would make it manageable to ride yes. i was in i was in a car accident with with marty hart and the whole time i'm driving and we, what we were doing is we were a trailer got away from us you know blatantly because we loaded it incorrectly but that's neither here nor there it got away and all he said is keep driving it keep driving it and when we came to a stop he looked at me and goes i can't believe you kept driving it you know but that's kind of the way it is when you're out there in the desert when you get out of shape you keep riding it and most of the time you'll come out on top Yes. You know, I mean, yes. Very seldom did we see guys really, really throw it away. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, obviously that comes with confidence. That's what I'm saying. Though, like Elka shocks. They, and I, I know the same the commercial for Elka, but they inspire confidence. I know to this day, I can't hit a lot of crazy stuff. And if I'm confident and I bear down and I, you know, pull through it, gas through it, whatever you want to say, I'm not going to wreck. I'd probably be hurt. It might be a hard hit or whatever, but I'm going to ride through it. And a lot of times, I mean, I, I just remember running my buddies around here, you know, we used to make jumps or find a jump somewhere, a gap or something. Hey, jump in and I'd jump in. Hey, well, I want to do it. Okay. You know, you got to go in third gear pinned or third gear, two quarter throttle. Okay. I think I could do it. Okay. Well, whatever you do, don't, you know, don't panic. But at the last second, 
let off because you're going to bust your ass. Well, you know, most of the guys, everything's good till the last second. Cause you know, you know, you got to commit, you either commit, you either going to do it or you don't do it. And right. last second, here they go. They let off and guess what happens? They bust their ass. Yeah. Um, so I was always said, if you're not sure you could do it and I'm not saying I would jump hundred foot gaps or anything, but I, once I got a little bit older and learned how it worked, I was very confident. If I did something, I was very confident I'd do it. And it usually worked out, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and a lot of it is all about confidence. I mean, to go race as many desert races as you did at the speeds you did, you had to have some confidence and, and some belief in your machinery and yourself, or it never would have worked out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, you start off, I start off with a stock 250R, stock shock, stock, and I knew nothing about riding. I mean, I could start it and I can shift gears. And I just never really had confidence in me or the bike, but you just grow. It's miles, 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 practice, better, better machines, better products. Just over the years, we all got better. You, me, all the racers, all the machines, everything got better, better, better. And I just stuck with it because I'm hard headed like that. And <laughs> before you know it, I felt I just was, you know, just super confident. And, and that's, and I also believe that's, that's a big thing. I, I look back at the races that it seems like since if you could probably go back to when best in the desert started, I think when they start like 96 or something, um, even, even the nationals were they, um, even the nationals, I, I think about this too. It, it always seems like there's a, a like kind of like everybody has their time. I think everyone kind of climbs that ladder and they get to their peak and then they, they do really good for two, three, four years. Right. They're the team to beat. They hardly ever get beat. They're, you know, everybody wants to beat them. Everyone wants to beat them. And then it's kind of you start falling off. And then it's the next people. Then this guy comes up. He's the guy. And then he's he's on top for a while. And everyone's trying to be and then here comes another younger kid, you know. Now there's young kids all over. Here comes this guy, and he's the guy. And it just I think it's kind of been like that, and it's probably like that with every all the you know all the farms are racing. I mean, you see it in Formula One, you see it in that. Like, so it's just this guy peaks and he does his thing for a while. This guy peaks. So <clears throat> I was just lucky enough, like best in the desert, to to have my I guess my peak and to be able to to win and have it for a little bit. But it's hard too when you when you start going down. It's it's very exciting when you're going up, right? When you're you're so close to winning. I lost by 10 seconds. I I lost a 500 mile desert race by 10 seconds. I'm right there. I'm gonna beat this guy. I'm gonna and then once you do it, you get the confidence. I think the guy that you beat's kind of over it, and he's maybe kind of uh, whatever. So then you're that guy. But then when you're the guy that gets beat, and you start, then it's really not that fun, you know. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, it's kind of funny. I got to be there in the beginning of your deal and at the end, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, yep. I was working with a different team when you decided to, to cut back, but, but still you spent, I don't remember how many years with Cody, but after you rode with Danny, you won multiple championships with them. You won a few with Cody, you know, yep. spent a lot of time in that upper echelon of best in the desert. Yeah. And you know, like I, I mean, I love those guys, me and Cody, I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's like my brother. He's a, a lot younger brother, but he's your little brother. yeah, but he's my brother. Danny's like, my brother for, you know, he's a little bit younger, but he's not like Cody guys, my brother. I love those guys. I had great ties with those guys. They're both awesome writers, awesome dudes. Um, they made me better. They made us better. They, they're a big part of my whole racing life. And I appreciate everything from those guys. Um, I feel like I'm sure Danny, I know Cody's still racing cars. I, I, I think, I think Danny's kind of a lifer like me. I, I think he, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm guessing I'm not putting words in mouth, but he probably still thinks, man, oh man, I wish I could go race. I wish I could race, you know, Baja or let's do a Vegas to Reno and stuff. I, I know it's in his blood. He, he's, he was very good. He killed it in Baja for years. He was just on top of his game for years. And I know Cody's, I think, is kind of getting his, his, uh, how do you say it? His scratching his itch by, by racing side by sides. And that's cool. Um, like I said, great guys, big part of my deal. Um, I couldn't have never raced all those years without them. I just, I feel like they probably quit when I was, they were smarter than me. I kept trying to go after they were done. I'd just try to find somebody that would be dumb enough to ride, you know, but I, I, I don't regret nothing. It was good times. You know what? You, you got to stop when you, when you want to stop, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an addiction that's one of the more positive ones you can have. Um, if the addiction is ever positive, but you're not going to stop racing or going to the races until it's, really your decision yeah for sure it's got to be your thing not no one can tell you no one can, and you know i i kept i felt it i was kind of using the excuse to myself that i took it took me years to get where i could go to the races and have a bike for me and i could go to the races and have everything paid and and all this stuff and once so then once I got that taste, it wasn't, I didn't want to do it for two years and quit. Like I never wanted to quit. Right. Because then now I'm, Hey man, all I do is show up. This is great. I got the bike. I got this. I got, I do all that stuff. So then, so then even when I was starting to feel like ah, maybe, maybe it's time. I'm like, no, I worked so hard to get to this point. I'm not going to give it up now. So I kind of kept it going, you know, and I, when, when we called it quits, my partners, everybody was kind of done. Cody, I, I was riding with Cody at, at 
at the end there. And he, he was, uh, he was kind of done. Um, my sponsor was building the bikes and he was done and I didn't want to go back to building the bikes. I didn't want to go back to paying for everything. And I just said, man, I'm already this old. I'm, I'm good. I've done everything I want to do. I'm good. But there's still a big part of me. It's like, what, you want to go to Parker? Let's go. When is next, next month, January? Let's go. Come on. Me and you, Leonard. Uh, no, sorry. You're not going to get me out there. I know that I, uh, if I would build a bike, I guarantee there's four or five, maybe six guys I could call right now. Even though that they haven't raced in a while, they would jump on in a heartbeat. Yeah, I know that too. I, a lot of it's probably... Hey, you never know. I have some things, some irons in the fire that I am trying to work because I'm not done. There's still some things I want to do personally because I want to do them. And I'm not saying ride. I'm talking about building machines. Physically, my riding days, I think, are over um, other than some testing here and there, or um, you'll see come out here. It'll have already came out by the time your episode drops, but we're going to, we did a story on three wheelers and I went out and rode all the three wheelers or rode a bunch of them. Um, And, you know, it's not that I don't love to ride. It it hurts, man. It just freaking hurts. I know. I know. I mean, there again, that's why I'm like in the dirt bike. It just seems like it's easier on me. I mean, I, like I said, until I fall down, but it's not, it, it's not beating me up as bad. I have problems with, um, everybody knows I got a shoulder issue, but I have problems with the weight of the helmet and the helmets today are nothing. <laughs> I know. I mean, oh, if I, if I ever ridden in a while, like when I first started this dirt bike, my neck would hurt. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? It's just the helmet. Yeah, I had problems with right wearing a mountain bike helmet for a while when I was mountain bike riding. And I'm like, dang, you know, uh, but that's just years and years of athletics, yeah. you know, from football to, you know, throwing yourself on the ground too many times because you have no skills. You know, that was my problem. Not, not yours, oh, yeah. but mine. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. One of the big questions that I had, you know, because you and I have had a couple conversations in between tapings, you know, we, we tried to get this done last year and there was a big storm in your place. And, and, yeah. you know, we got, to, we got to have some off air conversations. And one of the, the, the nagging little questions that I've had during this time is what does your son think when he looks at your trophy case and, and, listens to some of your your stories about racing does he ever confide in you or talk to you or ask you questions about that so he he didn't right when he was younger i I feel like he could care less he's he's um i feel like he's 14 he's riding a dirt bike he's riding it well um I feel like he's kind of more, uh, how do you say it? Not concerned, but more into it or more interested in what I did, how I did his stuff. So he does, 
he's he's funny. He's kind of like me. He don't he don't talk a whole lot. He's pretty shy. Just kind of does his thing. But he does ask me a lot. I, I got a kick out of. I went when I went to the when I got the dirt bike and I went to the to the desert race. That's I say local. It's somewhat local. And I just got the dirt bike and he was on his dirt bike. So I had a guy. Uh, I did not like the course. It was a real slow single track. It wasn't to me, it wasn't a desert race. It was just a little tiny crappy course. Um, I, I struggled. That's obviously why I didn't like it because I couldn't ride and the dirt bike and I just had a miserable time. So I was talking to an old friend that I seen over there. He actually, this guy raced with me in 2006, Vegas to Reno, good rider, good dude. Um, he actually raced with me a few races, uh, in 06, just, you know, work family guy. And just, he couldn't continue. He just, you know, you know, how it goes, um, good dude. So I seen him, I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years. I seen him over there at that race and he's on, he has a dirt bike and he's always been a quad guy like me or whatever. So we're just bullshitting or whatever. And then he was, uh, he said, my son said something about we're riding. And then I said, yeah, I, I said, I can't do it. This, this, I, I couldn't even, I don't even think I could finish the course. It's terrible. So it was all dirt bikes, no quads. It was just dirt bike. Cause everything's all dirt bikes now. So my buddy that I rode with that good friends of mine, he said, well, why don't you, you should go get your quad and then you'll kick all their asses. And then when you come in first, everyone's going to be freaked out because, you know, you're on a quad in so many words. So I kind of, I kind of laughed when I looked at my son and I seen him look, you know, and I think he kind of said, you know, Hey, that was cool. It kind of made make him say like crap. So it was cool, man. He's cool that he said it. It's cool that my son, I felt like he kind of freaked out, said, Oh damn, but they don't, the problem is, is, is when I raced a lot, they were so young. So I wish I could race like I did 10 years ago, my son this age, so he could go watch me race, you know, and I, I can't, I mean, he goes riding with me. He knows that I could still, I could still get along pretty good, but you know, I think it'd be cool for him to go to a, a race with me 10 years ago. I don't know about going now to the grandpa class, but it might be cool. <laughs> well, just to see you on the podium at the end of the race, you know, and get <laughs> an award like that. Uh, I mean, that's always, that's always your dream, you know, is to have your, your son or your daughter or your family there. Um, yeah. You know, my, my son never got to, uh, never got to be there when, when dad did good. You know, so I, I, I get it. You know, we never, uh, yeah. Yeah. It just never, it just never happens the way you want it to, uh, you know, at that time of your life. But, uh, I got to, uh, I got to experience a lot of stuff with my son. He got to go and travel a lot with us and you know, I was very fortunate, um, that way. You know? Yeah. 
but I understand exactly what you're what you're saying. Having him there at the at the highlight of it would have probably changed a little bit of perspective because they see the pictures, they see the, but it doesn't really dawn on them until somebody like your buddy says that in front of them, and they're like, "Hey, well, wait a minute, yeah, maybe pops really was fast." Yeah, I think it kind of mean, meant some because this just this random guy said that, you know. Um, and it it's good. I mean, honestly, you know, everything happens for a reason. If 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 I'd have been younger and kids, I I might not even raced what I raced. So it it probably wouldn't happen anyways. So I was at a, you know, I mean, whatever. And even even my daughter, it just it's kind of she's she rides, she rides my quad, she rides my best in the desert quad still to this day, and she rides it good. She cruises right along, but she's not. You know, she's just not into it. I, I we've talked about it before. She plays softball. She's very focused on that, and it's 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 good. But she, it's different. I think now that my son's riding, he he, you, I mean, really, he's really riding, really riding, really good, and he, he kind of appreciate it. And I I just I just want to keep him, you know, the. the yeah, having a good time. I'm not trying to push him to race. I don't care. I I I do want him. I'm gonna make him do one one more race with me at a real desert race, like a a a, new, a desert race here in New Mexico. Like dirt that's not the tr- dirt bikes because there ain't no quads. And he's all about dirt bikes. He he he's not about the quads at all. He loves the dirt bike. So we'll go. We'll do one more. It's one of the local races, one of my favorite races. I used to race quads on, and I say local, it's three hours away. And I'm going to pretty much make him do that. And I want to do it on the bike. I I think there's an old man class, novice. And those old guys better watch out because um, I've been practicing on that dirt bike. It's going to be on. <laughs> but it's a novice class, dude. It's a novice. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. It's, hey. Uh, trust me, I know. <laughs> I, 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 C class or C class when I ride too, because I'm I'm slow, but I love to ride. I mean, it, 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 you you never lose the love to ride. You just you just can't. I've been on my dirt bike in six seven years ago. You know, not not that I have to ask, but my wife said, "Yeah, yeah, you get another dirt bike." You know, when when the time comes, I just don't see that time ever coming. I think I'll go get one of the new CRF 450s. Guys, that that bike is just awesome. And then I think about it realistically and go, not. I got got a, I got a CRF 450 RX, the RX. And I'm serious. The first three or four rides, I I have lost my mind. I am crazy. But I've been... Now I'm kind of figuring it out and I'm enjoying it and it's a good time. And I, everybody always asks me, what are you doing? You know, you're this old, why are you buying? I just said, Hey, it's a midlife crisis. And I, I just don't like Corvettes. So I bought me a, <laughs> I bought me a dirt bike. But you're not that old. I know, but I feel kind of old. You haven't even got 50. You haven't even hit 50 yet. Well, that's another funny thing. I was laughing because I was looking at the, little race series and they have it over 50 and I turned 50 in April. So 
I was, I'm like, I'm waiting for the over 50. <laughs> oh, dude, you're still a kid. You're still a kid. You know, I, I, I talked to Doug Eichner and Doug Eichner just says, dude, I want to go back to this. And I want to go back to the, the those days again. And he says, the funnest time of my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Doug, that's a long time ago, bud. That's it's past. We're not, we're not, we're not doing that anymore because I don't want to do all that work. You know, but as much no, as it's hard to go ahead, go ahead. No, it's hard to accept that you're not that same guy, you know, and you are, but you're just, you're, you're just not, you just don't have that quite the same. I, I feel like I could ride really fast for a little while, you know, still. Um, that long? Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just can't, you know, do it for 500 miles. You know, yeah, I, I get the itch every once in a while where I think that, that maybe, maybe, and, you know, cause I still train, I physically go train and, yeah, I'm probably heavier than I'm probably lighter than I was when I raced in the desert, but and I'm I think I'm in better shape. I'm just, you know, 12 years, 14 years older. Yeah, yeah that's a big difference. It is huge difference compared to you know, my knees hurt then and now they oh my god. <laughs> you know. I, I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I'd be able to stand up and get off of the machine at the pit <laughs> to change riders. Oh yeah. They're going to carry you off. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. Each side just pick you up and pick you off. Yep. <laughs> you need a little, need a little lift, you know, put me over there, put me in the chair, you know, and then put me in the truck, drive me to the next one and then get the, get the lift out and put me back on the quad so that I don't have to, I don't have to uh, hurt myself walking over there. Oh man. You know, when you, when you were racing, if, if you could go back and, and think about, you know, a couple of your most memorable rides, um, what would they be? So there's, there's, uh, uh, quite a few and I enjoyed every ended up pretty much every race. Um, the probably one of the most memorable race. I'm not sure the year, maybe 2010 Bahama thousand. It was a loop race. It went, it went back to, um, it went to San Felipe back to Mike sky ranch. Through the long loop, Mike Sky Ranch. It was the only way. It's the only time it went that way when I was racing, and and then uh, through the whatever you want to call it, the mountain range up Simpsons Hill. I know that was like a thing that people know, and back into Valley T. So it was a good hundred and I want to say fifty miles from San Felipe, and so. I think I re I, I don't think you were there. You were done. I mean, you were not done. You were just didn't make it that race. And 
I think I started and then I got off. I went a little ways, maybe 50 miles and I got off and then I had posted up at San Felipe to get on, to do the whoops in San Felipe and do that. Mike's long loop, I think is what they called it. It's really tough. Everybody kind of talked about it. It was, it was tough. And so when it, the bike, the bike came, showed up to, I think, San Felipe about four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, they tell me if you shut it off, it won't start. You have to pull start it. Um, we didn't shut it off. I took off. I went probably 30 miles in the whoops. The bike died. I was there trying everything I could figure out. Couldn't, couldn't get nothing going, you know, limited tools. It's getting dark. The lead trophy truck came by. It felt like at 250 miles an hour, about freaking thought he's going to run me over. Um, I couldn't get in by the radio. I didn't have phone service. I just kept trying, trying, trying. I couldn't get nothing going. Finally, I'm calling weatherman the whole time. Um, I honestly probably called him a hundred times and the 101 he, I got through to him but he wouldn't help me because I didn't say my race number first. So he pretty much told me to call back and say my race number first, because he didn't know who the hell he was talking to. So whatever. I never got through again because the traffic on the radio was so crazy, right? Everybody, everybody just calling him. So anyways, <clears throat> I finally get a hold of Craig. I tell him where I'm at. We go to, he comes and pulls me out to the highway. Working on the quad, um, figure out no spark, which I thought it was. So I took the stand out of my bike. <clears throat> I put it in the race bike. And I've already had a pretty stressful day. It's uh, probably 10 o'clock at night. I'm kind of like, hey, does someone want to ride? Because I was just by Borrego you know, that's at, we still had a long ways to go before you, once you left on, on, uh, the Mike Skylands, Mike's Sky Ranch loop, you were, you were by yourself for miles, right? A hundred miles. Like you were done. You, no one could get you, whatever. So I said, Hey, can somebody ride a while and I'll eat and get ready for the, for the big ride. Um, so no one wanted to do it. Cause they hadn't pre-run it. I, I guess I couldn't understand that. So I jumped on and rode, went to Mike Sky Ranch, started up Mike Sky Ranch. This was the, the point of no return. Lights go out. I call Craig, Craig Christie, and he says to come back. I come back, we fix the lights. I take off again. I get about five miles. Mike Sky Ranch. Nope, lights don't work. I call Craig and I'm kind of over it. I hate to say it. I'm just like, man, this, this, this is, we're just doomed. So Craig's disappointed and he's like, hey, man, if you don't, you know, if we don't finish this race, our championship's done. So I ended up doing it. I said, okay, I'll do it. So lights went out completely. I'm just writing up this mountain and just up and through this mountain range. 
I'm stopping. I would just ride when I could. And of course it's pitch black. No, no moon, no nothing. I ride. And when I can't see, I got a little flashlight, little pencil flashlight on my boot. I just stop, look real quick, see where I was going, put the flashlight back in and take off. So I do this and I go and I get to a Baja pits somewhere the out there at the actual ranch, I think. And it's freezing for one, right? When we pre-ran it, it was 20 degrees. So it's freezing and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, halfway delirious. I don't know what's going on. So I get out there, we try to fix the lights. Um, they, all they do is speak Spanish and I'm having a hard time telling them, but we, we worked, we worked, couldn't fix lights. I take off again and I'm just going what I can water crossings, water dammed up people, you know, trucks drowned out, people drowned out, just kind of mayhem. And then you're just out there for an hour by yourself, no lights, pitch black. You're trying to find the trail. I come up with this guy, he has a fire, squad broke down, he broke a chain. I'm kind of actually, I'm kind of me to hang out with him because lonely at that time. And I wanted uh, a reason to stop, but I went ahead and pushed on. And then um, I know, you know, but Jason Wade had raced on the Articat team and actually rode to Baja with Jason Wade. Once we got there, he went with, uh, with his team and I went with Craig, my team, whatever. I I, I get to this point, all these trucks and quads and stuff are just, just stop on this hill. And there's just crazy like boulders and all this stuff. And it's just kind of like mayhem. And I'm, I'm pretty exhausted. And I look over and I see this guy under one of those moon blankets. It was real thin. I, I think they're called moon yeah. blanket. So blanket. yeah. yeah. So, so I look over this guy looks at me and goes, Dave. I'm like, yeah, what's up? So it's Jason Wade that broken down right there. So me and him run like, you know, lovers of the night and we're hugging and I'm so excited to see him to actually see someone I knew because it's been 12 hours. He's excited, whatever. So I'll never forget. I don't have lights and all these people are stuck. They couldn't make this hill. And I tell Jason, do you have a flashlight? He said, yeah. And I said, can you shine it on the hill so I can make it up there? I got to get the bike to Craig. So he goes, well, the sun's coming up. You know, why just wait five minutes? And I had no clue. I thought it was, you know, three in the morning or whatever. But sure enough, I looked and the sun's coming up. So I actually waited probably five minutes. The sun came out enough where I could see. I climbed the hill. Went to, showed up at Valley T. I'm calling on the radio, no answer. And I'm like, oh, these guys think I died. And they went home, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, I was gone forever. And finally I just roll up and all the guys are there, but they're all asleep, you know, in the truck. Everybody's asleep in the truck. And I, they're obviously super excited to see them. I was see me. I was super excited, super excited to see them. And we checked out the bike. We did this and that. And then of course the sun was up. We didn't need lights. So we, I think Andy got, I think Andy got on the bike. I think Craig followed him on another bike, another quad. And 
I just remember getting in Steve Abrego's truck and I just remember sitting in the back seat. And next thing I know, it was like five hours later. That's how exhausted I was so exhausted. I was just kind of out of it, but it was a, I wouldn't say cool experience, but it was, I'm glad I did it. We ended up winning the championship that year. So it was all worth it, but it was a very uh, interesting day. <laughs> yeah. And your, your a-hole mechanic wasn't there. Yeah. Thanks. You could have fixed <laughs> the lights and then I, I could have been good. Well, I figured out what happened to him after I got the machine back. Um, we built a custom light uh, battery box for everything. And the lid broke the eyelet. The lid of the air box? The, the lid of the battery box that we built. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Broke the eyelet. And I found it almost immediately, but it didn't, didn't help. Didn't say, didn't save anything. You know, we, no, uh, and I, but we totally revamped the situation and went to a battery, the, uh, upgrade subframe, you know, to the electric, yes, to the 06. Yep. Yeah. We went to the 06 up subframe and put the battery on the side, had a custom wiring harness built and never had another problem. No, for sure. That's, that's a lot of those races, you know, is, is just trial and error. And I was so, by the time I got through the stator and that fixed, and then the lights, I was, I was just mentally done. I, I was already, and I, I should have caught all that. I was just kind of like, oh, it's messy, you know, and I just said, I'm just going to try to push through it, but it was a long night. It was a long, cold, lonely night you dealing know, with that. Craig tried to call me and we could oh, never yeah. get the phone conversation to last long enough to have any dialogue. Yeah. And like you, you I think about it after I thought about it after that. I mean, it's obviously the batteries. I mean, the, the lights were hooked to the battery. Yep. That's what I mean. It was. It's it, it, it a very simple fix. It wasn't anything hard. It was just I was like I said. I was, I was pretty out of it. And the, I remember. I think the last time I looked at it, the post was broke, huh? Uh, no, it all the snapped the eyelet. You know, it was the eyelet was snapped, and the wire had moved away, and there was no wire. Oh yeah. And and with no but wire the, there, dilate on the battery. Yeah. So it is so. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wires came over. Well, when that wire broke, it just dropped away, and there's no wire there, and it broke under the bolt. So you didn't even see that it wasn't that it was missing. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, no excuse, but I was pretty, I was pretty out of it by then. We'd already been up since four. You know, how it goes over there. Oh, totally. But I, I felt like I didn't miss a race after that. Yeah. You know, I didn't care. I didn't care what was going on. Um, I did not miss a race after that. And, you know, I did just, we never had another experience like that either, you know? No. 
No, like you said, it was just, uh, it just broke. What else can you say? I was pissed, you know, because it had to be the race. You know? Yeah. And then the, you know, the stator thing, you never know when the stator is going to go. No, you don't. And, um, you know, from riding those machines long enough as, as we all did, we put new ones in all the time, but they still didn't matter. They were just, yeah, you put a brand new one in. An hour later, it's done. You never know. Right. I, that was uncharacteristic for Honda to have so many staters fail. Yeah. But the, the, know, all of the models had that issue. I know with uh, with uh, when I was running with Danny, Mike, Ricky Stater would sponsor us, and he always had us run the light on even in the day. He said it was better for the stater if you run the lights all day. So we always ran a little light all the time. You know, at, at the, the last bike that, you know, when I was working with the Simmons guys, yeah, we ran that yeah. little, little light right on the bottom, right at the bottom of the bumper all the time as well. Yep. Mike used to tell us it's better for it. Well, didn't you guys run a battery also because you ran a radio under the hood? You and Danny? Yes. Yeah. So we ran with batteries on the O5s. On on Danny's, he did. Um, we didn't really best in the desert, right? We're not concerned about lights. But we tried. Danny was really the one really engineering it, but we tried like crazy to get a you know a chase truck radio under the hood. Cause cause you get more power, you get more distance. And it worked great when it worked, but it seemed like, I don't know if the vibration or some, every time after a while it would go down, but he, 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 I think he got that from Greg Stewart when he rode Greg Stewart, they always had a, a big chase truck radio on their bike. Um, and the, you know, the distance and the, it's way better with, with that than a handheld, but it just seemed like we, we could never figure it out perfect where it last the whole race. I know with Craig, it was always handhelds, and then we never tried under the hood. But Danny did try multiple times, and it worked great. It just seemed like after a long race, over time, it would the vibration something would would kill it, or something would come loose, and we couldn't get it right. Well, when I rode with the Simmons, we had a radio under the hood um, with a dome on the fender oh really yeah and the couple times that we used it the couple because we never we never used it and i mean just the couple times that we did use it though it 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 seemed to work um yeah the first time we tried to use it we had it on the wrong we did something wrong and it didn't it didn't transmit You know, uh, the radio guys basically told us what we did wrong. <clears throat> but the second time when we had the dome on, we went to the dome on the fender and, um, yeah, it was bitching, but it just never, it was just never used. It was almost, oh, yeah. it was almost an overkill. You know, I guess if we would have, would have not had it, um, we would have needed it every time. Yeah. I think obviously, uh, Baja 
you need the radio really bad. The best thing is it's nice to have it. It's nice to know, hey, I'm coming in. Hey, I got a flat. Hey, uh, the bike's making a noise, whatever, you know. And then it's nice when you're leaving, when Pitt's like, hey, uh, so-and-so's three minutes behind you. All that's great. But I don't feel like you need it to work the whole way. You know what I mean? Yeah, best in the desert. The needs in best in the desert were totally different than the needs down in Baja. In Baja, we just needed, you know, you almost needed, we almost needed a chopper above us just to tell us what was going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just communication's terrible there. And it's like you need it more than any place else, you know? Yeah. You know, you talked about the pressure thing earlier on in. That was one of the things when I asked you to come and ride on that team was, you know, you got to remember you're not in the States. It's a different world down here. You know, I mean, if, if you get off, it's not an instantaneous ride to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a big thing. And I, I always kept that in my mind. I, I knew, I always felt like I could, I always rode you know, maybe 90% of what I could ride. Cause it, it's a, it's a real thing. You, right. you, you, you get off, you have a bad get off down there. Um, first of all, the, the, the no one might come get you for 12 hours. I mean, you, you the place is so remote, even your, even your pit crew, even like, you know, some things, you know, as well as I do, you can't even get a truck to, um, you know, you might get lucky and a helicopter grab you or something, but if not, you're, you could be laying out there for hours. So it's a, it's a real thing. Um, I was lucky. I never, I had one little get off. It was no big deal, but I just tried to be a little extra careful, you know, right, right not there. Right. Still try to go fast. I still feel like I went fast. It just a little, it's a little bit of that in my mind, like it's just different. And then, you know, you go to the, you know, you heard stories of if you have a bad accident, they get you to the hospital and then you, they do all this stuff to you and then you owe $30,000. Well, they don't let you leave until you pay. So, or what are the prices? So then you're, you've got to figure it out or you're just, you go straight to jail after you're get out of the hospital from what I heard, like you, you don't, you can't leave. You got to pay. Um, so I was fortunate enough. I, I, I feel like I pushed pretty hard. Sometimes in your racing, your race, you know, your competitiveness takes over and you don't think about stuff like that. I, I think I did that quite a bit racing pre running pre pre running. I was, I was probably more careful because I think about, Hey, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to crash out of here, but <clears throat> I was, I was thankful that I came out of there uh, with no major issues ever in ball. Like I've said before in the past, I've nothing but great times down there. It was good times. That was a lot of fun racing down there. You know, <clears throat> you get to think about all of the, the cool things that you get to do 
Um, and, and for you, especially, I mean, you've seen all of, you know, you got to race in New Mexico for the local stuff. Then you transitioned into best in the desert and you got to score. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to think about the different places that we got to ride. I only rode in Mexico one time and, uh, you and, and your, you had a, you and a partner really raced in that same race. Yeah, it was, was a, the uh, that was the first and only time that I think you and I raced against each other. Yeah, I'm trying to read. Uh, was that a best in the desert? Yep, it was the best in the desert 300, the only one that was ever had in Mexico. Yeah, I wonder what happened. You just see, Python, thought Casey Python thought it was a little too crazy. How come we never went back? I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know why he never ventured into Utah to have races or maybe even even into New Mexico or Arizona. Yeah. It would have been doable. Yeah. I think uh, probably the BLM and everybody's easier to get along with in Nevada. And there's so, there's so much space between the towns and stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, there's a lot. I mean, we have a lot of open land here too, but I don't think it's quite like that. No, I don't think so. Did you ever, did you ever try to race a UTV? No, I, I bought that. I bought a Talon and I, like, I, I think I told you earlier, I was trying to maybe uh, scratch the itch, maybe kind of convert, but it don't, it's fun. I have a lot of fun, but it's not the same thing. And I, I can't, I, I, I can't see myself doing everything I used to do and, and even more to the UTV and then going. And, you know, it seems like they break down 8% of the time and that's a lot of work and money to go to, to DNF. I, I was more proud of, of, probably that than winning the championships is I think I DNF one best of the desert race for 14 years, not missing a race. You know, that was my thing. I'm not DNFing no matter what. Um, those guys, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say those guys, but from what I can tell, UTVs break down a lot and they don't, you know, they DNF a lot. So I don't know. Not, not not as not as not as cool. No, I I'm I'm not a UTV guy. I can't drive them. Everyone that I've test driven, I've wrecked. Really? Everyone. My brother won't even let me drive his Talon because he knows that I'll wreck it. I feel like I can get along pretty good on the Talon. I, I feel like I can tear it up pretty good, but I feel like if I try to drive it like that for 200 miles, it's gonna break. You know. So I'm just kind of whatever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm just, uh, for me, it's like fun for about 15 minutes. Yeah. I know. And I thought it would be more. I know that if I went and drove um, with my brother much, you know, I guarantee that we would have mangled cars because. Oh, yeah. I was driving Randy at GPR's car after I had already rolled it. 
Made at your phone. Yeah, sorry. After I'd already rolled his car, um, we were dicing back and forth a couple times. And if it would have been my car, I'd have shoved it in there. And <laughs> he'd bent been some bent some parts up because you know, this that's my brother. I'm not I'm not gonna get beat by my brother. Yeah, yeah, you can't let your brother beat you. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. But that's not cool. We we had a good time out in the desert, you know, that was a few years back, but um it's just not it's just not that it's just not that cool for me. You know? Yeah, it's it's not the same. It's hard to I don't know. I used to love the ATV. Yeah, I like I still love the ATV. Like I said, it it seems like it beats me up pretty good and the bike's a new thing. I'm enjoying that right now. So I guess if it has a handlebar, I'm good. Might put a handlebar on that talent. <laughs> so if David Ham calls you up and says, Hey, I want you to race my three wheeler in Best in the Desert, you gonna go you gonna go do it? Yeah. I I grew up on three wheelers. It's been a while since I've ridden one, tried to go fast on one, but I you could uh a TRX conversion three wheeler or a CRF conversion three wheeler. Um, uh, Wrangle has a WR Y YFZ YZF um, YZ four fifty F conversion. You know that's that's. Uh, I got oh, to there's, ride. There's, they're cool. Huh? You know, yeah, I did I inherited an 09 CRF that uh, needed a lot of work and the guy didn't uh, want to spend the money. So I got it from him and I was, I was actually going to do that with that thing. And I kept, I was trying to get a hold of uh, the place and I couldn't get a hold of nobody. And uh, I just kind of, I don't know, got discouraged and I ended up just selling it. I actually sold it to my brother just as a bike, you know, but I still, so that's what I thought about this new Honda, about this 2023. If I can't ride a dirt bike, I'll just try to make it a three-wheeler. Well, if you're going to do that, you know, do the conversion where you make your own frame, you know, and you can adapt your 450R quad parts to it. You know, and then your front end from your motorcycle, uh, but don't, but don't try to take the motorcycle frame. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't work the same. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was a great idea because you don't, you just change the swing arm and the, the but, triple clamps, right? I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. Brother, you have a great one and uh, be ready. We're not going to make it so long and so far apart before we have you on again. Okay. I appreciate it. You let me know. All right, man. I'll be ready. Make sure you tell the family I said thank you so much. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, 
Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events, builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world, and they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to Duncan Tech International at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 